To you it's just a game, for me it's all I know I make them remember my name before I have to go Losing, I can't fathom, that's a champion's passion Confidence never lacking, drop the beat, let's attack them Baby, checking for the content, you tired of that nonsense No gimmicks, break limits, quality is I promise This is more than a show, this is a way of life Cause the game as it grows, takes us to higher heights Check the stats before you check me And don't tell me who the greatest if you don't know the history Robert Ramon and Carlos the new big three And if the pins ain't from them Don't bring them to me Cause I go off like a rocket launcher Man, I just ain't the beat I'm a real monster I can hear the crowd chanting MVP That's my mantra Here's a standing note For the opinionated bench warmers Yes, sir. Welcome to the Opinated Bitch Woman's Podcast, episode 75. How'd y'all like that round of applause, man? You hear the people calling for us? Yeah. One, two, three to the four, man. I'm I'm excited, man. Look, we got NBA going off, man. You got the applause sounding good, man. <laughs> like, I'm with the brothers right now, man. I'm just trying to bring the energy, bro. It's been 75, bro. We yeah. got to talk about that, man. That's 75 episodes in this thing, man. Yeah, man. I feel like you just came in like an old school rap cipher right there with that <laughs> one, two, three, four. <laughs> like, Let me find out some... you want to be a rapper. What would be a rapper <laughs> name, Los? I don't know, man. I'm, I'll go with Los. I like that. Yeah, I feel like little, you just want to spit right quick. Little yeah. Los, uh, Young Los. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, man. So we're back. Your PNA Adventure almost are back in this thing. The voice you're hearing right now is Rob. We got Carlos here. We got Ramon with us. And we are back for another edition of the podcast, fellas. First of all, we want to say thank you to all of our supporters who decided to pre-order our shirts. Can you believe it? I never thought I'd see the day where I would have merchandise. And I know you fellas feel the same way. And we appreciate y'all. We are sold out on our pre-orders. We have more details coming to, to those that did place an order. We'll be collecting payment real soon, but we wanted to get, collect all the information we just want to let you guys know who did order a shirt that things are in motion. If you miss this train, do not fret at all because we will be opening up sales again at a later date. We didn't want to, you know, this is our first go around, guys. So we just wanted to do this the right way. So we definitely will be coming back again because the demand was so high for the shirts this time. So next time around, we will be back. So if you miss this ride, don't worry. We appreciate everybody that has been continuously subscribing to the podcast. It's showing because our downloads are constantly skyrocketing through the roof. So we want to shout out to all of our new subscribers. If you're not subscribed to the podcast, go ahead and click that subscribe button and you will be notified when each and every edition of the Opinionated Bench Warmers podcast drop, which is exciting, guys, because you don't want to miss this sports content. We have a lot to get into so we appreciate you. Make sure that you follow us on O underscore Benchwarmers on Instagram and Twitter. And that's that. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all the support. So we're going to have to get into what we do best. And Opinion Benchwarmers about to get into some of these topics, guys. So let's start off with the biggest topic of all that we saw this past NFL weekend. I am sadly to report that New Orleans Saints' Drew Brees has went down 
with an injury. Fellas, as a Saints fan, it really had me down in the dumps. Uh, I mean, I ain't going to say I was down in the dumps because I think that Jameis will be uh, a formidable formidable uh, backup to him. But, I mean, just to give a little background for the listeners, Drew Brees versus the uh, 49ers this past weekend went down after a sack very awkwardly with uh, a rib injury. And that injury, uh, what, what reports came out to say is that the in, that he already actually had a rib, fractured ribs on, uh, had fractured ribs, but didn't know it because he was dealing with a shoulder injury. But after that hard hit that he took that Sunday, which didn't seem like a hard hit to me, the guy didn't try to land on him. The guy actually tried to land to the side of him. But I think Breeze actually ended up landing on the ball. But but MRI, MRI has been done, and it has been said that at this point he has five fractured ribs which is, and a punctured lung, which is very alarming. I've been watching Breeze uh, for a good bit because I am a Saints fan, uh, shamelessly. And Drew Breeze is a tough guy. Like he said, he was playing with fractured ribs already prior to this 49ers game. But – when I was alarmed that this injury happened in the first half, when I saw him not trot back out back out there in the second half, which he, which the game at that point wasn't really com- completely in hand, I said, okay, something's wrong. When I saw him standing on the sideline and I saw the look on his face, I said, hey, look, this is this is something serious. And he has fractured ribs. He's getting a second opinion to see if he has more fractured ribs. But right now, he has a punctured lung and fractured ribs. Guys, react. Yeah, man, I think it's huge, man, because, again, we know Breeze is on a one-year deal right now. You know, we know that, you know, any given play or could be his end, you know, into his career. And so, you know, watching Breeze kind of talk in his press conference towards the end was kind of sad because you can kind of see the sadness on his face Um, because I think, you know, he's trying to remain positive and the Saints are trying to remain positive, but he realized that this could be it. You know, this could be a situation where, you know, maybe he does heal, but maybe Winston or whoever they put in or Taysom becomes hot, you know, and that team is doing well going into the playoffs. Do you go back to your legendary quarterback or do you stick with those guys? So I think, you know, it's, 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 it's huge news because we know right now he holds the record for the touchdowns, you know, he, he, completion percentages, you name it, um, as a passer. Um, so, you know, it was, it was, it's a huge blow, you know, that is the heart of the saints, um, getting hurt again, back to back year, last year, the thumb and this year, obviously the ribs and the lungs. So I'll be interested to see how, how this team, you know, reacts or recover from a huge injury. I mean, last year they did well with Teddy. Can they do it again? Yeah. Um, I think that, uh, just like you were saying, alluding to this situation, they found themselves in the same place. Similarly, last year with Drew Brees having, what was it, about five or six games that he missed last year. And um, so I think, honestly, they'll be fine uh, if their defense continues to kind of click on all cylinders in the way that they've been clicking. And um, you do have someone in a backup who has been a serviceable starter throughout the course of his career. Uh, Sometimes Jameis can be equally good and bad, so it's going to be kind of interesting to see how he manages that. But to me, the interesting piece is, too, you went and paid Taysom Hill in this offseason, and you would think that if you make a guy one of the highest-paid backup quarterbacks, when is this guy actually going to be able to step in and truly be a backup quarterback and truly be the guy and not be a gimmick and gadget-type player? And so, that, that is a good, that is, that's a yeah. good point, Ramon. It, it, with 
with I, I I could only point to one thing, and that's just Sean Payton has a a real man crush of the ability of what Taysom brings and the many positions that he brings and the mentality he brings to the game. This guy your block. This guy runs routes. He will literally just. Just think about it. I think any football coach would want 100, I mean, I'm sorry, 55 Taysoms on their team that's just willing to do whatever it is, not worried about the flashiness of anything, will do whatever it is in his power to be uh, to be an asset to the team and help that team win. And that's what uh, Taysom uh, epitomizes. And so I think that that's where Taysom ultimately earned his money. But at this point, I mean, you're not going to start chasing over Jace, Jay, um, over James Winston. You, you're just not. Uh, like you mentioned, James has been a serviceable starter, and people are forgetting former number one pick in this in the NFL draft. So the kid has talent. The arm talent has always been there. It's just his questionable decision making. Um, he has had the eye surgery, so no more squinting at the scoreboard. So. You know, Lowe said, you know, Lowe's made me point it to that a couple months ago. He's like, man, Jameis, when we first signed him, he was like, Jameis has, you know, has had the eye surgery. I think that a lot of his picks were because of that. Me, I think that it does a portion of it is, but I think more so Jameis is just a bad decision maker. So, yeah. predictions yeah. going forward, man. I mean, I'm a, I guess I'm going to start off because I'm a fan of the Saints. Uh Drew may be out for uh, an extended amount of time. Drew may be – we may not see Drew again this year. Um, that's, the, that's the realistic uh, – I guess that's the realistic thing that I'm looking at and evaluating as a Saints fan. Uh, so, I mean, Jameis at this point, do y'all see Jameis being a formidable uh, a backup to lead these Saints to promised land? I'm going to start off. I'll say yes. I, I do think Drew is a big part. As long as the spirit of the team stays high, I think we'll be fine. Um, the defense is continuously improving from week to week. That is huge. And we're not even at 100% full health. Quan just made his debut last week and this past week. And I, I really wasn't too – I mean, I think he did good enough. But as far as he gets his feet under him and learn our defensive system uh, under uh, Coach Dennis Allen, I think we'll be fine. Uh, but I think I think ultimately, as long as Kamara stays healthy and the motor and the engine of this team, I think we'll be fine because I think that Sean Payton is a good enough coach to tailor make a system for Jameis to where Jameis don't have to take that many chances and we don't have to rely on his decision making as much. But I think I think we'll be I think we'll be okay. I think we'll be okay, Phil. So you know, for to answer your prediction thing. I think, you know, the crazy part is the Saints became more dangerous. And what I mean by that is offensively, you know, you got to take the good and the bad with Jameis Winston. Before the, the, the defenses knew that, you know, about Drew Brees' arm, you know, and his deep throws, you know, they didn't, they were, that wasn't really a threat. Now the field, I feel like, opens up a little bit more for defenses that have to scheme for them. You know, again, you got to take the good with the bad. Sometimes you're going to get a pick here and there. But, again, those picks sometimes can be good because, again, you got that, that's going to make those safeties, those corners, think about that if he can get the ball down the field. You know, and that's going to op open up those underneath throws to Kamara, those underneath throws to Michael Thomas. If you can hit a deep throw to Deontay Harris, you know, to Jerry Cook, those deep throws, those type of throws that, you know, that Drew Brees, you know, is past his prime in doing, um, you you know, I think that the Saints became more dangerous. Again, if the picks are going to 
again, he's going to have to limit the picks because that can kill you. Not too many of them. But to me, I think the Saints became more dangerous with Jameis on. Yeah. Um, and I think just going, you know, kind of down the stretch and looking at the schedule, I think that in the remaining seven games, I would have the Saints going either five and two or six and one. Um, I think that they can be prohibitive favorites in probably six of those seven games. Of course, to me, Drew or not, I still wouldn't technically have them as a favorite over the Chiefs in that game. Uh, but outside of that, I mean, seeing the Falcons twice, even though they've been playing better lately, uh, seeing teams like the Eagles, the Broncos, uh, the Panthers, you know. I've Watch live and local news on a variety of networks with YouTube TV. Try it free. Time to start it up, America. So, I yeah, so I, I agree. Uh, I think that it, you know, I think that it's time to really kind of, you know, gather everybody everybody's gonna have to step up i think that i don't think it's over with i think we for the most part i i wouldn't have liked this to happen right now because fearing drew to miss the playoffs but my my other fear is that drew is not going to be playing in, in in the next four in a month or so and then to say hey look we're going to put you in a playoff game now i understand drew is a first ballot hall of famer i understand that he has the experience to to if anybody could do it he could do it but i don't know if i feel comfortable and then it's like a good point that you brought up, Los. I don't know if you want to speak on it. Is if if James is able to lead us to the playoffs and to the promised land, how can you pull him out? Like you said, right. So there's only one, and I think Drew Brees knows this too, right? There's only one scenario where Drew Brees comes back and plays. We already know he's out six weeks, at least six weeks, you know, with his injury, right? Um, and that is if the Saints kind of like fall in or just you know happen to just barely make the playoffs right make a wild card or something like that offense haven't haven't been playing well but they've just been doing enough there's only that's the only scenario I see where Drew Brees come back this year now if the Saints continue and they can lock up a top two seed and the offense looks better and when I say better you have that mixed in because let's be honest James is not going to be a full-time I we obviously going to see more Taysom than we did with, with Breeze, right? We're going to see more Taysom. There's going to be more plays for Taysom now. Um, so if this offense starts clicking more with the mixture, almost like college style, flipping those two, those two teams, those two quarterbacks out, um, I don't see how you bring Drew Breeze back. I think that's going to be a tough call, but I think it's going to be the right call, you know, especially you don't want to throw the rhythm of your team off in the playoff, in a playoff game, you know. And again, best case scenario is him coming back during the playoffs. I don't okay. see it happening. Okay. So I'm going to ask you straight up right quickly, Lois. I mean, Rob, you may be a little bit biased with this. Do you think, and I'm not saying, you know, I know you have your Rams in the equation and all that. With Jameis Winston at the helm of that offense, can the Saints make it out of the NFC? I think so. Um, I think the NFC is, is a, it's a blood that you have a lot of, even if you look at our rankings, a lot of teams. You got the Packers. We don't talk about the Packers enough. You, you have the Seahawks, as always. You got the Rams that's neck, uh, chipping at the block. Um, you, you, you have, um, you know, uh, us, of course, you know, uh, and then the Cardinals, you know, which we'll discuss in a, in a minute. You have a bunch of teams in the NFC that, that really can make a real run at it. Uh, I think, you know, James is talented, man. I mean, he, he, had, he had, of course, he had the interception uh, what was his interception total last year? 30 and 30. 30 and 30. Yeah, 30, 30. 30 touchdowns. So he's in the top five, if not one, in touchdown passes as a quarterback. But then he's also 
in, in at the top in interceptions. So if you can limit those interceptions, which is a big if, along with Michael Thomas, which I think Michael Thomas is a better receiver than than um than uh Mike oh, Evans. Mike Evans. So I mean, hey, you know, it you know, I don't expect for the next well, two games to see James just throwing it all over the field, but uh, yeah. if they open up that offense, man, we could be trouble. But what you have to look at too is the Saints have a better running game than what he ever had really in Tampa. So it's not gonna be on his shoulders to have to do that much yeah, anyway, that's true. too. Especially also if the defense is playing the way that they're playing, you know. So I don't think that he'll be put in those positions where it, there's no way he's gonna accumulate that many interceptions, you know. But We'll yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, to answer your question, Ramon, this is Jameis' probably best scenario. He's not going to get a better scenario than this. A, a solid defense, right? A good run game, like you just mentioned. And, you know, the best – probably the best receiver in the game. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't ask for, for, for more of a better situation than what he's getting into. So, if he can't do well in this situation, the writing's on the wall with him. He is a career background. But I do think that he is – going to I don't think I don't they're not my favorites to make it out of the NFC to be honest ah oh, here we go they're not man I'm being honest that's <laughs> I, not, I wanna, that's this not the second fire. week Lowe's bro you got the personal you. part out of this yeah you I, gotta I look at the other my favorites over. either so that that's not like a knock <laughs> yeah. and I'm not and I don't have any beef with the Saints I grew up rooting for the Saints just like I root for my Colts as well so like there's no beat, but I, I wouldn't have them pick to come out either. So I, I'm not going to say that that's just a biased pick. All right. Well, right. well <laughs> but we, we can move on. We can Los, move on. you mentioned best receiver in the league. I'll say this to you. Right now, you're the best in the game. I know. The dude right there said, hey, man, I was going to tell you, you're the best receiver in the game. I said, I know. <laughs> 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 If you know where that sound bite comes from, <laughs> it's when DeAndre Hopkins was mic'd up when he was with the Texans. Ironically, this was, he said this to a Colts coach. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, a Cardinals coach at the time. Man, how fitting, bro. How fitting. Yeah. If you lived on the rock, DeAndre Hopkins may have had one of the best catches that we have seen since Odell's catch, famous catch in 2016 versus the Cowboys, um, trailing the Bills. I thought it was murder she wrote. Uh, I thought it was all she wrote. I thought the fat lady had sunk when <laughs> when uh, Josh Allen threw that bullet to Stephon Diggs. But Kyler Murray is nothing short of amazing. And it came down to the Hail Mary, the Hail Murray. And, man, it, you know, it's just so much, bro. Like, for him to elude – and he's a right-handed quarterback to drift to his left, avoid a sack, throw it 50-plus yards down the field, and DeAndre Hopkins' catch was nothing short of amazing, guys. React, man. What, what, do what is your outlook on the Colts? What is your outlook on Kyler Murray as far as being in the MVP conversation? And we got to talk about D-Hop and celebrate him and give him his flowers while he's still here. Yeah, man, like you don't look at D-Hop and think that he's like a burner or anything like that, but he's just solid, man. All Everything all the way around from route running, from, you know, his hands, aren't best hands in the league. Let's just be honest. His hands are just so strong. 
I mean, you know, I'm not talking about a man's hand. But, you know, <laughs> it was kind of, that was kind of going. Not, I was going to let you slide. I was, was going to let you slide. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate y'all letting me slide on that. But, no, man, he just got some of the best hands in the league. And I, I think, again, think about that. Those two plays, right? Stephon Diggs, the Bills made a trade for him this offseason, right? The, the Vikings moved on from him and got Jefferson, which Jefferson is still doing big things. And then the Cardinals, right? They went and got – DeAndre Hopkins, right, which we talked about that lopsided trade and was like, what is Bill O'Brien doing, right? And so that's why you bring those guys over there, man. They are game changers. He literally gave them an extra win. A player gave him – one player gave them an extra win um, in the column right now, which they lead right now. I don't know if you got the toughest division right now, NFC West, um, you know, the Rams, the Seahawks, and the Cardinals. Best division are all six, in the NFL. Best, best six, division. Six and three. And then, I mean, it wouldn't even be – it would be even crazier if the 49ers was healthy. So, again, we got them playing Thursday, which I am just – oh, oh yeah, my God, I, I cannot yeah. wait. We're going to talk about it, though. We're going to talk about yeah, it. Yeah. But, again, he, he's a beast, man. Yeah. I, I, obviously, he's a beast. Yeah. Like you said, I mean, I don't really have to add too much to that, man. D-Hop is just he, – he's a rare breed, man, rare breed. But to me, Kyler is showing himself to be elevating into potentially that rare breed um, as we talk about the quarterbacks in the league. You know, we kind of have that top-tier quarterbacks when you think of your Mahomes, and we put Russell Wilson in there. You know, you put Aaron Rodgers in there and so forth and so on. But the way that you're seeing Kyler Murray play this year – like, he's just been extremely dynamic. Like, it's bringing you back to his days in Oklahoma where, you know, his legs were as lethal as his arm. He's a polished passer. Like, that guy, he's the real deal. And like you were alluding to and saying, Rob, like, he has, you know, staked his claim to be put in that MVP conversation. You know, uh hate to say it, but we're kind of seeing Russell Wilson due to the lack of the running yeah. game and all that yes, it's, kind of regress and yeah. it is, it's, it's bad to see. It's bad, yeah. Um, and so, you know, you're seeing now, you know, Kyler kind of stuff or you already still have Aaron Rodgers in that picture. You still have Patrick Mahomes in that picture. But now Kyler Murray is, is, is stepping up. And the way that he's doing it also, like I said, with his legs, the rushing touchdowns, he's dynamic in the open field. You know, we look at – we talk about Lamar Jackson, you know, mm -hmm. over and over again and how dynamic he is in the open field. But Kyler Murray is, is up right there, there as far as being dynamic he's in right the there. open field. And to me, he's a more polished passer. Right there with Daniel Lamar Jones. Is. You know. He's <laughs> 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 trying to slide that in. Like, hey, man. Daniel would be ripping out them big runs, man. Yeah, I need as long as he not some respect on my dog, man. Yeah. Man. Well, he ain't getting caught up by the turf monster. <laughs> right, right, right. But, but yeah, so they're a very interesting team. They can be a contender. Um, and, like, Kyler, he's elevating himself in this year, man. He's elevating himself. Yeah, man. Uh, D-Hop, the thing, I, play, I was playing the clip joking uh, when he told the Cardinals coach, opposing coach, I know, you know, the Cardinals coach told him, you're the best receiver in the league. But what, you know, I love that because it's like you're an opposing team. Don't gas me up. I like running on E. You know what I mean? I know I'm good. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's that mentality that he brings to the game. I was telling Los, uh, I think earlier this week. Um, it was Los. The crazy part is, it was before he made this crazy, crazy catch. I was like, he's. Or was it afterwards? We talked so much. I don't remember. I think it was after. Yeah, it was after the catch. And I, I told him, I was like, hey, look. D-Hop, for some reason, has consistently played well for the past 
four years and he's been in that elite company and Odell at one point was my top receiver, but over Julio. But at this point with Odell, unfortunately with these injuries, he's constantly, he's constantly slipping down, but it seems like D hop has always been there. And he's had, this is the probably under, under the Sean Watson. This is his first second quarterback. He's been great, but think about the previous years where he had Brock Osweiler and all these other scrub quarterbacks, um, Mallet, you know, all these guys that really wasn't a good quarterback, and he still performed well. I think at, after that catch, I think he's put himself it, – it's hard. He's cracking my top two, you know, and he he wasn't there. Like, he was in my top five maybe, but now he's cracked my top two. Um, I still have MT ahead of him, but, you know, that catch was nothing short of amazing, and I think for years to come – I think that uh, y'all looking at me like I'm crazy, you know, with the bias. That's not mm-hmm. bias, guys. Nah, I'm not looking at you like you. I'm just messing with you, bro. Okay. You, you good? Like, but anyway, <laughs> but anyway, I think that just wrapping up that segment, I think that yeah, he's cracked my top two, and I think also that he proved him and Kyle are going to be a force to come for years to come. Kyler Moore, Murray, another he's he's just wonderful, man. Like at his height, that's what's so amazing. At his height, he's barely cracking five ten, you know. And athleticism has a cannon of an arm. Like he's just amazing. Um, Cardinals are gonna be a problem, and I'm glad it's Los's problem being a Rams fan. I'm glad I ain't got to deal with that <laughs> twice a year. But yeah, it's gonna be amazing. I cannot wait till Thursday night football. This Thursday, you have the Seahawks, you have the Cardinals. It's up there, man. It's up yeah. there, and we got to do our predictions, fellas. How y'all think that that Thursday night matchup is going to be? Wow, man. This is probably the best Thursday night game thus far, and I'm not even gassed up being dramatic. I mean, we've had some pretty bad Thursday night games this year, um, but this one, you know, you look at both of the quarterbacks. Russell obviously kind of falling down out of the MVP race with his recent play with the interceptions, but, you know, he's still in that conversation with that team. And then you look at Kyler Murray, you know, obviously we just talked about him in the last segment. You know, we look at those two talking about smaller quarterbacks that both can run, that both that can create. You know, we look at two of the receivers, two DeAndre Hopkins, and obviously, you know, DK Metcalf, who has been a monster this year, besides when he plays Jalen Ramsey. But, you know, that that's besides the point. That's besides the point. Oh, okay. <laughs> Shut him down this year. Man, that boy, that boy <laughs> put the clamps on that boy, man. Then to, to lie and say he wasn't going to be shadowing him the whole game. We knew got, J-Lo was going to shadow DK the whole game. The whole game, man. <laughs> I, I love that. I, I thought it was going to – I mean, Russell's going to go to him more. But, again, to this Thursday night game, my prediction is I got the Seahawks, the Seahawks finding a way to win this game. Mm. I know that sounds crazy. Right. The Seahawks hasn't been playing good, but they're desperate right now. They're a team that's coming off two losses to the Bills and to the Rams. Obviously, they need to get back into that win column. I think you see one of those Russell S special games um, right now. And that's going to really put the team on his back and they win the game. My prediction will be I think it's going to be high scoring. I will say uh, 38 to 31. 
Gotcha. Gotcha. I, I, I won't go too much into it. I think you really already kind of broke down the game really well. I think that it will be a, a very close game. I still favor the Cardinals in this matchup. Slight edge, but I mean, we know that special game that we saw even a couple of weeks ago, that 37-34 overtime thriller, and I'm expecting something to be pretty similar to that. Um, so I really had the Cardinals winning it um, with a 34-31 uh, score. So Cardinals 34 Seahawks 31. I think it'll be a shootout, but a really good game. I think that the Seahawks will get off to a fast start because, like Lowe said, they're coming off two losses and they really need this win. But I think ultimately they'll fizzle out. I think it's going to be a shootout. and But I think ultimately the Cardinals will overcome because they have the second-best receiver in the entire league, and that's D-Hop. And we've seen historically this season how the Seahawks secondary has been shredded up all year. Hopefully – they uh, held out uh, – who's that? Uh, Quinn Dunbar, is it? Not Quinn Dunbar. Uh, their corner, Flowers. Is it Quap? Flowers? Help me out, guys. For who? Which team? Seahawks. It was two uh, two two corners that set Quinn out. Quinn Dunbar. Quinn yeah, Dunbar. Quinn and then yeah. the twin. He so set out. Right. What, what, I don't know his name. Do you know his name, Ron? You talking about the Griffin twin? Yeah, Griffin. Yeah. Yeah. Shaquem Griffin. Yeah, Shaquem Griffin. They set out – yeah, Shaquem and Quinn Dunbar set out, which is two best secondary players for the Seahawks this past Sunday. So maybe that means that they'll play this Thursday because they knew that this game was very important. But if those guys sit out, oh, my goodness, D-Hop is going to have a field day (laughs) along with uh, Christian Kirk. So I will say, give my prediction for the scores. I want to be a little different than you guys. I'm going to say 35-29. Cardinals. And just right quick, let's just get the man's name right. I'm sorry I said Shaquem. That's his twin brother. It's Shaquille Griffin. Shaquille Griffin. Shaquille Griffin. Shaquille Griffin. Shout out to Shaquille Griffin and Shaquille Griffin, who's an amazing player as well. All right. So, guys, I think we can kind of touch on the scope of the league Uh, a little bit. We kind of dibble and dabble. But I think that we have released our rankings again. Um, The Saints find themselves at number two, to my delight, uh, the number one team. We had it's uh, the Steelers, man. Let's talk about the Steelers, man. We ought to talk about the women. We talked about Mike Tomlin on last podcast episode, how amazing job he's done. Uh, man, it wasn't close this past weekend, <laughs> for lack of better terms. Uh, are y'all continuously uh, impressed with the Steelers? Yeah, I, I still am. I mean, you know, they. I still think – they are handling business and I still, I still have them as a top team right now. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that they still rightfully hold that top spot, um, but I'm just going to be honest. I still am when it gets to playoff time biased towards the chiefs. And I really think that the chiefs will be uh, better come playoff time, but I think that the Steelers have, you know, earned their spot right now for what they're doing in the regular season. And um, Deontay Johnson been cooking. I'll just leave that out there as well. Ooh, he been confounding, man. He on my he on my fantasy team, bro. And you know, I was quite he, you know, if he can stay healthy, he's by yeah. far the most talented receiver in that in that in that in in Philly. Court. Yeah. In Steelers. In, I'm in, sorry, in Pittsburgh. In Pittsburgh. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> in that wide receiver court. Exactly. So yeah. you know, I think that when he when he's healthy, man, it's it's no it's no coincidence that Big Ben loves to target him. And uh, they they're remarkable. Mike Tomlin got those boys rolling nine and oh, that's a that's a franchise record, man. Think about the history of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and this is their yeah. first year 
going nine and oh man get it get that man mike tomlin his flowers why he's still alive he's an amazing coach i think that he'll at this point in his career, coaching career he'll be able to leave at it on his own terms like a bill belichick mm-hmm. so um yeah so we talked about the best team but let's kind of touch on the worst team i understand that philadelphia eagles uh Shout out to Murray because it's his team, so I enjoy roasting him if he's listening. <laughs> but Philly, man, they have a lot of issues, and we know that Miles Sanders got just got back. We know that uh, – goodness, the names – the receiver. Jeffrey. Yeah, Alshon got back. I thought they would have had a better showing with their weapons back, but – what more concerns me and what's continuously to concern me is Carson Wentz and his QB play, man. Um, I don't know. I mean, I know that Lane Johnson just got back this Sunday, which is one of his best offensive linemen, but I don't know, man. I, I don't think I, – I, I can't. I don't know how much of it you could put on the line yet. Forget it. Their line is depleted. Their line is terrible. But at the same time, there are plenty – Joe Burrow probably has the worst line in the NFL, <laughs> and he's still putting up numbers, and he's still playing well. I don't know at this point. Can we point to Carson? Is he, is this is who is this who he's gonna be going forward, or do y'all feel like the injuries can be an excuse for him? Uh, I. I... I don't totally give him an excuse, honestly. Um, I think that he should be, to me, far enough removed from that to be playing better than the way that he's currently playing right now. Um, I'm not going to 100% write him off for the rest of his career and say this is what we're going to get completely going forward, but I think this is what we're going to get for the rest of this season. I don't think that out of nowhere he's going to miraculously turn it around and, and be the Carson Wicks of all this season. I think he's going to continue to stink it up the way that he's been doing all year. Um, but it's still crazy that as this team, as, as bad as they have been, as poor as they've been playing right now, if the playoffs begin today, they would be in the playoffs. And that's crazy <laughs> to think about yeah. how bad that division is. Like we talked about weeks ago, the clash of the trash, like that division is literally that bad. No matter how bad the Eagles have been, no matter how bad they are to lose to a Giants team that is terrible, they still lead that division. Um, and so you know, it's just one of those things, you know, they've just been terrible. I don't anticipate that it'll get much better, but they still may squeak into the playoffs. Yeah, man. I, I think at this point, you got to look at it, and I think he's just damaged with this. I know you, you, you're saying he's far removed from the injuries, but you think about that championship year, right, when he got hurt against the Rams, right, he tore his ACL, and Nick Foles went on that magical run to win the championship. Um, he was the front runner for the NBA at that point right ever since that point he's really been a hit or miss quarterback right he's been holding the ball too long you know and these what we don't realize is these quarterbacks get battered right you look at David Carr in his days with the Texans right he was a, the number one quarterback at the time right but if you take these many hits and you keep holding the ball and you try to scramble when you're really not that athletic enough to scramble and you take these hits you become a batter these injuries start to seep you know, get into your head and, you know, you're not as confident anymore. So I think right now it's just a, he needs to reset, you know, he needs to reset and, um, you know, they need to protect him, man. Like they need to treat him as if he's a rookie quarterback and depend on that run more and not try to open it up and, you know, have him sit back there and hold the ball as he's been doing lately. 
Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. Um, <laughs> like, like you said, I completely agree with it. I think, like you said, it's probably in his head, honestly, at this point. Um, but don't really see much change in the rest of this year. And I think he'll continue to just think up to join. So let me ask you this. Sorry, yeah. sorry, go ahead, Ramon. No, no, no. Keep going, keep going. Who do, you, who do you think at this point is a better quarterback? And, you know, and it was talked about in that draft in golf and Wentz. They oh, both, get the heck. No, no, they have their ups and downs. They have their ups. Both of them suck. Both of them have their ups and downs. I'm not trying to give this a I golf. think at this point right now, it, it will be Jared Goff. But it ain't like Jared Goff has been playing amazing either. So, I mean, I still would, as far as talent-wise, would go with Carson. Um, I think that it's kind of like Ramon kind of alluded to my point in my thought process is that we don't expect him to just shake back and have a great year this year, but we can't ignore the fact that he's had a lot of trauma that has happened to him. When you, when Miles Sanders, your best, probably the most talented offensive weapon on your team, you know, misses extended amount of time. Your offensive line is missing a, a, a amount of time. Your best receiver on the team has it's missed an extended amount of time. So I think that in rhythm-wise, he's not playing well. I think that it can lean on Carson, and you can point and say, hey, look, this is what's going on when you put a, a magnifying glass on the season. But when you look at Jared and his average play and his inconsistency, what can you point to with him to say that, you know, that he's playing bad or average? You know, you really can't point to it. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. You know, you really can't look at anything. He really doesn't have an excuse, right? He's had his run game. He's had everything. Um, he just hasn't performed. Um, but the thing about it is, too, you know, when you look at the numbers, you know, I think the numbers speak for themselves as well. You know, as you mentioned before, this far, Jared has been the better quarterback. But Jared has been in a better situation. Um, and I think that's why he has been the better quarterback. They ain't got a better coach, too, because uh, I'm not too sold on Doug. I never have been sold on Doug Peterson. Doug got a ring, man. That's, that's something McVay don't got. Yeah, true. Okay. Yeah, I think y'all covered it well, man. Covered <laughs> so, so you're not going to just avoid the question. Okay. Um <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would have liked an answer. Who you? Like. I, mean, I, I mean, I would go with golf, man. I, I, I'm not right. a wins guy at this point. I'm not giving up on wins, but I'm not a wins guy, so I go with golf. Okay. Sweet. All right, cool. All right, man. So the NBA has been flaming. The NBA is 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 in full pledge, uh, fellas. Uh, it, it's, it's down here. We got the NBA draft tomorrow night. Um, from then on, free agency starts. And then from then on, we're looking at an NBA season in less than a month, guys. I mean, I'm sorry, in just over a month, December 22nd, is tip-off day. So you're looking at a slippery slope here uh, with the NBA schedule. I don't know if we discuss it, if we have guys correct me. Uh, we won't spend much time on it if we have. But what do y'all feel like about the short amount of time between the end of last season and this season? Yeah, we touched on it a little bit last episode, but it's just one of those things that those championship teams, those teams that went deep in the playoffs just didn't get enough time to recover and reset their bodies, um, especially with a year like now with COVID and us being restricted. So it doesn't – it does the teams that went far no favors. These other teams that haven't played, you know, that wasn't invited to a bubble, they're probably ready to play. So um, it's interesting to see how it goes and see what type of stars sit out to start the year. 
So, I mean, we've already – the only Adrian we acknowledge is Wojnarowski, Woj. And Woj, Woj has reported the big story that James Harden has declined his $50 million – guys, $50 million option and is looking to land himself with the Brooklyn Nets alongside Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, a Steve Nash coach team. Man, react. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, one, I'll say this. I'm not a fan of if that does come together. I don't know how that's going to work with three players that need the ball. I don't see – I don't know who's – because you always need that one guy that's going to take a step back with a big three, always, right? Chris Boss did it um, with his big three years. Um you know, uh, uh, Clay did it a little bit when KD went over there. You know, it's always that one player that's going to have to step back. And I look at those three guys that are still in their prime. Who's going to step back? Who's going to take that step back? Who's going to play off ball? I, I mean, KD, Nobody. James Nobody. Harden, Kyrie. <laughs> you know, so, again, that team is going to be good and it's going to get to the playoffs, right? They're going to get wins based off pure talent. But when you come to, again, we know the playoffs. We talk about it all the time. You come to the playoffs when teams are scheming for you and that ISO ball stuff, <laughs> we've seen it, right? The Rockets, that stuff doesn't go far when you're playing that ISO. When team can set their defense and wait on you, you know what I'm saying? That's why I think it's important, you know, I'm going to just throw this in here as we're all Lakers fan, to us to bring a guy like Avery Bradley back. We need him. If that team does come together, a good perimeter, perimeter defense player, defensive player. Yeah, uh, I, I'm kind of along the same lines. I honestly, of course, they'll end up being a good team. You get that kind of collection of talent together, they're going to be a good team. But like you said, to me, it doesn't logically fit. You don't even also, to me, have any of those personalities that are naturally ones that's going to step back. And, you know, I mean, James Harden has been a perennial MVP candidate for the last five years or so, being top three pretty much in MVP every year. KD, to me, out of them is the, is the most talented one. And so then are you going to really expect a guy when Kyrie Irving, who got away from LeBron, to then say, now I'm going to be third fiddle to James Harden and, and Kevin Durant? No, that's not going to no. happen. Um, so I don't see, like you said, I don't really see how it works. People talk about the OKC model and how Westbrook and Durant were there, but they don't realize James Harden was coming off the bench at that time. He still was very young and wasn't nearly – as developed as he is right now and then also too i just don't see the the why the rockets you know would in a sense be backed up in a corner and be forced to make a move james harden still has two years that he has on his contract and then the third is really an opt-out year so like two guaranteed years that he's under contract before he can even think about opting out so it's not the situation where, you know, we've had situations where someone just has one more year, they're about to be a free agent. He still has two more years. So to me, they're not forced to do anything at this point. And honestly, they're not forced to send him to Brooklyn. If you're a team out there, why not take a chance when I'm going to, if you're a team that's going to have James Harden under contract for at least two years, why not take that chance? Why not take that opportunity? So to me, right. he can't corner and force his way as much as guys like an Anthony Davis or somebody force their way. He doesn't have as right. much that, leverage as those guys. Right. Yeah. That, the situation kind of reminds me of when 
Paul George and the Thunder, right? When they that team, well, the Thunder came out of nowhere and stole Paul George from the Pacers when we all along thought he was going to go to the Lakers the whole time, right? And so, again, I like that. I, it wouldn't surprise me if a team comes out of nowhere and grabs James Harden, right? And we'd be like, where did that come from? If I'm the Rockets and I'm the GM, I'm, you got to blow the doors off for me to mm-hmm. get rid of him. You got to send me a deal to where it's going to be next to the AD type of deal you know, now again, AD's a little bit younger and more versatile type of player. But again, I have him under two years. You have no leverage. You better blow the doors off or you're going to stay here. You're either going to play or get fined or however we're going to do this. But you're going to be here for two to three years. Because what you got to think about, even from a business standpoint and a business sense, we're already, we already said, you know, the NBA is starting up on December 22nd. They're trying to get that Christmas money. They're trying to get that. If you think about being a Rockets organization, and you already facing these implications based upon the pandemic of losing money. What makes you think they're going to force and just throw away their star player and get rid of even a lot of revenue that they can even generate that way from just having that name? So I don't think they're in a situation where their backup is against the wall, especially as it relates to specifically going to Brooklyn. But Now, I will point out that Brooklyn – is a formidable trade partner just because of all the talent that they have. Even they discovered with, you know, unfortunately with the injuries of Kyrie and KD last year, uh, Karis LaVert emerged, Spencer Dinwiddie emerged. So they do have the assets uh, when you look at the Brooklyn Nets along with picks to, to make a deal happen. I'm interested to see if it can. I'm like you guys. I don't see how it's going to work because in my opinion, he moved from a ball-dominant guard in Westbrook to an even more ball-dominant guard and Kyrie and we know how Kyrie and LeBron worked out at, at times where Kyrie was upset of not getting enough touches you know so it I don't think it's a it's a ticking time bomb to me waiting to happen if they were to man, trade you took the words out of my mouth man it's a ticking time bomb where we gonna watch that unfold in front of cameras and you know you look at even in with the Clippers and in, in LA with with uh with George and, and with Kawhi, you could see the tension between them two guys. It's tough putting aside your ego to make it to make it work. I don't think it's going to work. But, hey, look, if they want to explode up in Brooklyn, I thought they had enough with Kyrie and Katie. If they want to explode, by, we welcome it as Lakers fans, for sure. Speaking of the Lakers, let's transition. We There's been, uh, again, with Wojnowski, Shams has been reporting that Schroeder an advanced deal with the Thunder has Schroeder landing in L.A. to our L.A. Lakers. Um, we discussed it in private offline, and I, I expressed my feelings about it, and it was just simply put, uh, I would prefer him to DeMar it just because he's a cheaper, a cheaper option. He is a decent defender on the perimeter, and I think that he also is a guy that can go and get his own bucket in clutch situations, as we saw in his past playoffs in the bubble of what he was for the Thunder. He was their featured scorer on their team uh, throughout the playoffs, and it worked. It worked. I mean, ultimately, they fell short because, you know, of course their team was lacking in talent, but we also saw a guy that can really go and get his own and really has the capability of putting a team on his back with his scoring and with his defense, brings energy. He's 27. What's not to like about it? Yeah, no, I think you covered it well. Honestly, I think that he's a a great and excellent fit for this team. You know, we talked last year so many times that this team didn't have 
really another guy that could, could definitively outside of LeBron and AD go and get his own shot. You know, and even Dennis Schroeder is one that can also create for others as well. You're looking at a guy that's really stepping into his prime at this particular point. He's becoming a better shooter, shooting 39% from three last year. Um, so I think that he's a great fit, can play in that pick and roll with either Braun or AD. Um, and he's just one of those guys that I think you're going to continue to see him ascend up. Um, and, you know, I think that the Lakers made the move just like we talked off air because of the implications with Rondo. Um, and having that feeling that Rondo may not be back or probably won't be back next year. And so you go and get that insurance policy. And we were proactive. Rob Palenka was proactive to go get something done and didn't just wait and just see where the cards were going to fall. So, so yeah. yeah. So in other huge news, I think what, what's the next new huge news is Chris Paul got dealt to the, to the Suns. So align with Devin Booker and Darius DeAndre Aiden. DeAndre Aiden. <laughs> Darius Slayton, DeAndre Aiden, same thing. But no, DeAndre Aiden. I an ama- a sneaky, amazing trade. I do think that the Suns have made themselves better. But what are y'all thoughts on the Chris Paul trade for the Suns? Yeah, I, I like it. I mean, it's a young team. You know, we've seen I think before people were a little afraid to put a veteran with a young team, but Chris Paul has shown that he can do well with a young team and flourish with a young team and lead that team. You know, honestly, you know, I think that was one of the best situations where Chris Paul does because he likes to be that leader. He likes to be ahead, you know, the alpha dog of the team, right? Some of the teams, obviously, the Rockets and the Clippers, you know, he was not necessarily – he's like 1A or 1B on those teams, right? And those teams haven't done well. They haven't went far, you know, but he exceeded expectation when he is that alpha dog on the team. Um, so, again, I like it because uh, it's going to do wonders for Aiden, right, in that pick and roll. He's going to get so many free Ooh, layups in the pick and nasty. roll. Mm. That's going to be fun. And then, obviously, you got Booker. You can't – you cannot Super just star. not talk about Booker, you know, by himself, just learning from Chris Paul and the the, the years he le- have left on his contract. So, again, they're going to be a team that's going – I think they're going to be an 8-7 seed, right? They're going to still – they're going to make noise. They're going to be this year's um, OKC, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, I just I agree with everything you said, Los, and well-spoken, but I think that they're actually a better team than what the Thunder were when you consider CP3's leadership and where he elevated the Thunder with Shai, uh, Alexander, and and, um, and uh, I'm not Steven going to Adams. Yeah, Steven Adams and those guys. He had them rolling in the playoffs. He had CP3. had them. Now, imagine – you know, what 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 he fell short of, like I, I mentioned earlier, is just talent. Now he's elevated talent. We know, you know, Aiden has, has gotten better year by year, quietly. No one's talking about it, but he's actually, you know, averaging a double-double. Uh, Devin Booker, we know he's special in what he can do, um, but plays better off ball. He doesn't. He's not going to need the ball in his hand. So I think if Chris Paul fell in the best situation that he could, this was it. He wasn't going to fall with, you know, the heat. You know, he was going to fall with a team that, that is there. We saw what the Suns did in the bubble. They ran the table until the very end and almost found themselves went going undefeated in the bubble and almost landed themselves in the playoffs. Ultimately, they fell short. But we know what this Suns team is capable of. So for them to go grab a, a huncho, a general, my favorite point guard, a top five, top three point guard of all time in my books, and Chris Paul, first ballot Hall of Famer, I think it was a smash move. And Chris Paul has proved that he still got the juice. 
that he he can go get the buckets, but he also makes your team better and elevates everybody play around him. Yeah, I agree. I think y'all covered it well, honestly. Um, and I think that this, of course, as y'all already mentioned, is cemented to Suns in the playoffs. I think that they'll definitely be there. But y'all already covered it, man. All right. So in the opposite move, we got Drew Holiday to the Bucks, uh, which is interesting enough. A uh, Drew Holiday of the New Orleans Pelicans. And I think that it should be spoken of, of David Griffin doing David Griffin things. He traded Drew Holiday, and in return, he received uh, – Eric Bledsoe. Eric Bledsoe. I'm bad with names today. <laughs> Eric Bledsoe and uh, George Hill and some picks, which is uh, – I think Three first-rounders. Three first-rounder picks. So, and two pick swaps. Exactly. So, I, I mean, I think David Griffin's doing an amazing job in New Orleans. Our guy, Darnell – uh, we saw even uh, has uh, been rehired as, as will remain the player, player development role as an assistant coach. Shout out to Darnell, who's been on our show before. But, I mean, you got to like what David Griffin's doing in New Orleans. Uh, I mean, let's speak on that piece about what New Orleans is headed. And uh, I think that they – David Griffin, I mean, he's just uh, – you know, you, you kind of see why LeBron admired him so much. Yeah, um, I I think that when you look at this team and you look at this organization, you've seen David Griffin basically even with this Drew Holiday trade almost got similar to what he got in the Anthony Davis deal, like for a lesser, you know, talented player. And so um, I think that he definitely has the organization heading in the right direction. You have Zion Williamson, who we view as a transcendent player. You have Brandon Ingram over there, who I think that they'll end up locking up long term as well who's going to be a bona fide all-star for years to come. You still have young core pieces in Lonzo Ball and Josh Hart and um, Jackson Hayes and, and so forth and so on. And so I think that they're building and moving in the right direction. I think that you could potentially see them move up in the draft uh, that will take place, you know, on tomorrow or Wednesday, you know, as people hear this podcast, I think that the Pelicans may look to move up with the draft capital with some of the capital that they have. Um, and those picks and go get maybe another impact player. Uh, but I think that the, the future is, is bright. We've known since his days in Cleveland uh, that David Griffin can assemble a really talented team, a really talented squad. And I feel like he's making all the right moves, you know, whether it's going out. I think that Stan Van Gundy is a good hire for that team. I think that the way that Stan Van Gundy is filling out his staff is going to be excellent for the development of those young players. And I think we're just seeing, seeing a team trend upward. You know, I think that you may see a piece like an Eric Bledsoe still get moved. I don't know if he will, in fact, play this year. Yeah, I don't year, think he'll play a minute with the Pelicans. Yeah, so I think that you'll see a piece like that potentially get moved. But I think that, um, I think that you know, uh, he's doing an excellent job. And Drew Holiday was probably going to leave after this year, honestly, anyway. So he just got ahead of the curve. So just to add on to the great uh, evaluation of the job David Griffin has done, uh, which can be a challenge as a GM is just what do you do with the with the unhappy franchise player? And you look at what he's done. He's turned two star players and and uh, Anthony Davis, who was the Pelicans' number one pick in 2011, and he's turned Drew Holiday, who's a perennial uh, defensive star on the perimeter. Uh, just think about it. Uh, he he's got the Pelicans' six first round picks. He's turned uh, AD and Drew Holiday in six first round picks into Brandon Ingram, who's the most improved player, uh, Lonzo Ball, Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, Josh Hart, and four pick swaps. So I'd say that that is a great 
if I had a stamp of, of Robert approval of how you build a team. So, and on on the on the back side of that guy, what's interesting? <laughs> so the Bucks go and get Drew Holiday. Is that enough to keep the Greek freak happy in Milwaukee? That it seems like they're doing everything that they can to make the, to make him happy and to keep him and to prove why he should be in. Because after this year, he will be testing free agency, and why wouldn't he? But do you think that that's enough? Yeah, I don't know if it moved the needle enough for me. You know, if I'm being honest. You know, now, obviously, Drew Holiday is a better player than Eric Bledsoe. But how much of a better player is he? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Are they going – did that put them over the hump to make them the favorite? I don't think so. I love Drew Holiday, and I think he's a lockup defender, and he, he can ball. But, again, Bledsoe has those same thing. The only thing that they give differently is the offensive end. Drew Holiday is a better offensive player than Drew Bledsoe. Drew Bledsoe. <laughs> <laughs> Eric Bledsoe, man. So um, it, it's, it's true. I pulled an old name. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I mean, it, so I don't know if it moved a needle. Obviously, they went and got Bodon, Bod uh, from uh, Bogdanovich from Sacramento. Right. So, which is a yeah, solid piece. He's a solid it, piece. It, he is. A, he can shoot. He and one thing he can do is shoot, and he can create. But again, I don't know if that team can beat the Heat fully healthy. I don't know mm. if they can do it. Oh no! Well, uh, yeah, no. Nah. Okay, so actually, I'm on the opposite side of this. Um, honestly, well, a couple of things. One thing is that you know, of course, this is NBA rumor time, so a bunch of things are spreading. But there are even rumors out there that that Giannis may be looking to go ahead and take that five year extension, like as soon as you know, within the next few weeks. Um, I'm not saying that that's definite, but I think that this trade does move the needle for them, honestly, because what it also does too is it makes Chris Middleton not have to definitively be the number two guy all the time. Like that can now fluctuate between he um, and Drew. And then you bring in Bogdanovich. That's basically, you have four bonafide guys in that starting lineup that can give you definitely 15 a night. You got three of those guys that should give you 20 plus a night. Um, so honestly, I think that this does elevate them. I think that this in a sense doesn't give Giannis an excuse anymore. I think excuses are out of the window, to be honest. When you have a guy, you already have Middleton that's, that's 20 a night. You got Drew Holiday now that can be your number two or number three guy. You add in Bogdanovich, who was an excellent uh, piece, especially him fitting into that three spot in that starting lineup. Like, to me, I don't see excuses for Giannis at this mm -hmm. point. If he can't get it done, then it's going to be about his shortcomings as a player and him not adding to his bag at this point. Exactly. I agree. I agree with you wholeheartedly, Ramon. I couldn't – I don't know if I could have spoken it better, so I'm going to move on. I'm not going to touch that. that. That was great. Robert Covington to the Blazers. So, guys, which is a very interesting move to me because I do think that it makes the Blazers better. Um, it gives the Blazers another perimeter score, not like they needed another with Damon and uh, – C.J. McCollum. C.J. McCollum, with all due respect, but – now, I don't know, man. Blaze is getting scared, man. <laughs> like a better time. We haven't even had the draft yet. We haven't even had the draft yet, and the Blazers are getting better. Um, I think that Robert Covington is going to fit well with the Blazers. He's going to bring a defensive, another defensive identity to them. Not like they're they're slugs on defense, but it kind of seems like the way that the Bucks are building their team with the, with this trade that we mentioned before this. 
and the way that the Blazers are building their team, they're building their team to beat the Heat. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, again, the Blazers, I think, were a good team last year. Um, I know you think that the team got – I think they got better, but I don't know if it's an over-the-hump move, you know what I'm saying? Um, this this is just – Robert, okay. could, Robert Covington could drop 20. You know, he could average give you about 17, 18 average per game. Dame going to give you almost 30 a game. Uh, CJ can give you 25 a game. I mean, and then you got I mean, Nurk who can average 20. So uh, See, I, I'm, I'm not as sold on Robert Covington offensively as you are. Like, I think that he's, a, he's great at shooting the three. Um, he fit really well with the Rockets. I don't view him to me as like this – just straight up third scoring option that's just going to get buckets type of guy. I don't view him as that, but I think that he's definitely an upgrade from Trevor Reza. So I think that they definitely did get better. Um, I think that this will put them more in the hunt, but it's just, I mean, the, the West is just going to be crazy next year. So it's like, like Lowe said, I don't know if you can say this, this puts them over the hump because the West is just crazy. Yeah, the West is the West is. I mean, I, I ain't saying he's dropping on it, but he's a great shooter, and the court will be spread. So mm-hmm. I think yeah. that it, I think he can't to say he's gonna give you fifteen a game. I don't think that's crazy to think. You know, and so, I mean, then, what they what they do with Melo now? You know, what I'm saying like Melo was a great Mello shooter. Melo better come off the bench and be happy. You know, it's just I don't know. Like I said, <laughs> to me, it was like you get a younger Trevor reason. You know what I'm yeah. saying? <laughs> yeah. That's really all they did, and they gave up picks. You know, so the move wasn't that impressive to me. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. So, guys, we're going to wrap it up, man. I think we did it. We had a lot of NBA news. If you're an NBA fan, we hope that you enjoy the NBA draft tomorrow night on ESPN. Um, thank you so much. It can't be sad enough about all the support that we've been receiving. Please keep the momentum going. Continue to share Continue to subscribe. Continue to listen and download the podcast. Your success, your uh, support is just nothing beyond amazing to us. We're going to go ahead and head out. While we do, make sure that you follow O underscore Benchwarmers on Instagram and on Twitter. We're going to go ahead and head on out of here, guys. Until the next time you hear us, we bid you adieu. Later. Peace.